This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast and I'm feeling jolly and happy I'm jumping around on the chair here because, I mean, the bees are just on an unbeaten run. They, they, they just keep winning and winning, week in and week out. Um, I mean, I'm still off at a high after the match last night. I came back from Griffin Park, got in about 1.30 in the morning. Everyone stayed in the pub very late. Leeds United came to town and Leeds United went back home with the tail between their legs. 2-0 they lost there, it was fantastic. Brentford played absolutely brilliantly, and I'm not sort of making things up. Anyone who was there, they would know. And if you read on the internet and you watch on the forums or you listen to our podcast, the sort of Pride of the West London podcast, you can check it out. We were absolutely brilliant. So that was great. And then on Saturday, Bristol City, 2-0 again. First half, we were brilliant. Took the foot off the gas a little bit. But these two games are before that. Don't forget, we've had an international break. A couple of weeks off. Was it a week off? I can't even remember. We had a week off and before that we played Burton. Five goals we scored there as well. So three games in the row. So the Bees fans are on a high. I'm Billy Grant and I'm absolutely feeling teething tremendous as I'm sitting here in the pub. Got me a pint of bride and I am absolutely beaming away because Leeds United, I have to admit, when I was a wee little kid, I used to sort of support them as you do back in the day. So now, for me to grow up a bit older and go and beat the team that the team that you loved when you were sort of three, four, five, six years old is absolutely fantastic. So I'm sitting here with my mates in the Salutation pub in King Street in Hammersmith. Wicked little bar, they've taken care of us very nicely. We've got our little food we've been taken care of, we've got our drinks and I'm sitting around with my mates here and I've got Mr Dave Lane to the right of me. Dave, are you feeling as chipper and jolly and happy as I am? Um, not by the sounds of you, no, you sound you sound extra chipper, but I'm I'm happy, yeah. I think um, those two wins we've just seen in 72 hours were, were pretty groundhog day. They were very similar, great performances first half, 
foot off the gas to a certain extent second half because we'd already done the, we'd already done the damage. Um, I've I've seen my team play some amazing football in um, in those 180 minutes, and you know from from my comments at the end of the post-match podcast, I can't wait for next season already. Um, I'm just working out whether we can win our last six games and nick a playoff place, mate. Oh, I know you. I know you went for that last night, and I just thought he'd been drinking maybe one too many of the owls. But just want to say as well, you know, it's good to see you because um. Guys, I mean, I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. I mean, I've been away. I've been out the loop as well. And I just want to ask what you've been getting up to. I mean, you sort of t- you've held the fort, you know, and you've been taking the microphone and you've been coming up with all sorts of malarkey the last couple of weeks, haven't you, Laney? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we we've been doing this thing on a Wednesday night called Podcast Bill, <laughs> and um, we just get we get a load of mates around and we just ask them. Questions. I'm, not, I'm not sure if you know, you've heard of them before, <laughs> but it's this kind of like yeah, they, they get, they're all the rage these days. You want to try it? I've tried. I've tried to get involved as well, actually. And um, I mean. But what else have you been up to the last couple of weeks or anything else that you know about? Um, not a huge amount, no, not massively. <laughs> you looking very guilty there. Yeah, I've got nothing I can talk about on microphone anyway. Ah <laughs> oh dear, which is all good. And we've got back in the house again, hasn't been on for a couple of months, but we've got the amazing Gem. Gemma, how are you doing? I'm all right, very excited to be here. Obviously, no one turned up, so you called me. Everything's, you know, very good, very content with life at the moment. Um, Loved the last three games, absolutely loved them. Um, I've had uh, quite an exciting last 10 days. Went to Wembley, watched a nice, comfortable win for England. Got to see Bristol City from the director's box, no less. Nice, comfortable win. And then Leeds last night was comfortable and absolutely glorious. So I'm feeling very, very happy, yeah. We were both at Wembley at the same day as well. As well, I think you were down there in the in the in the, the, the gods that below somewhere, and I was up the top there somewhere else. And uh, I had a I had a very good day at Wembley that day. I can't I can't remember too much about it to be quite honest with you. Um, I got a bit of an in, I got an invite as well as down there. Lady was going to come, but it didn't quite make it. So I I went with Spanish Dave. Actually, remember Spanish Dave from the Euros? I, I, I couldn't couldn't be bothered, Bill. That's why I, I, I said that on last week's podcast. I got offered a free corporate hospitality ticket, and I couldn't be bothered because that's what. England have done to me. Oh, I remember something else I've done um, in the last week. I bought a new little um, LED filter for my tap. So when you turn the hot water on, it comes out red, and when you turn, when it comes out cold, it, it shines blue. So that's the other thing that my listeners need to be aware of. Okay, that's, that's all good. That's all good to go. Listen, we've got a new bee in the house. Actually, he's he's always there. He's appeared on our besotted video podcast. He's appeared on our post-match podcast. He's appeared all over the place. But this is the first time we've actually got him in the boozer sitting there with a pint in front of him to talk football. And he loves to talk football. We've got the gas, the gas pool. Gary, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad, Bill. I just want to clarify, this isn't the first time I've had a pint in a pub. So let's get that straight. But uh, no, it's great to be here, mate. And, you know, thanks for the invite. And what have you been up to, mate? You mean International Week? Did you just relax? Did you do the gardening? Did you go to B&Q? Did you do anything fantastic? Uh, yeah, international. I'm actually one of the people that likes international weeks because I actually get a week off from following Brentford, following football, and I could just kind of get on with everything else that piles up over the time. As every virtually every Saturday, I'm away watching the bees, mate. But um, you know, now things have been great lately. I don't know what um, Dean Smith said to them at half time in that 
Burton game, but we had what two and a half games, eight goals scored and unconceded. You can't complain. So we come on to that in a little bit as well. And I'm Billy Grant, as I say, and I've had a I've had a couple of weeks off, and I feel I feel I feel relaxed. You know, like when you're at work and you've been working, you know, for months and years on the end, and all of a sudden you get a couple of weeks off and you go to the Caribbean or something like that. And actually, yeah, you don't go to the Caribbean, you probably go to Bognor, and then you come back and you've had and you feel so refreshed. And I've had a couple of weeks off. To be fair, a couple of weeks ago. I, I didn't do the podcast because I decided to go, you know, international week, and I thought it was no football, so I went to go and see the pink and blue, the old Dulwich Hamlet, and it was such a laugh. They're back in the playoff frame, almost, just about. So that was a bit of a nice night out there as well. And then last weekend, it was my wife's 40th, so um, we, we flew over to the old Francais. I did a bit of voulez-vous and pouvez-vous um, with my wife. She didn't know that she was going out there. A bit of a surprise trip out there as well. And I've actually accumulated, which is, you know, as you do, enough brownie points that actually I'm on 100% this season. And I think that I can actually probably go 100% again next season from the brownie points that I accumulated from last weekend. So that's probably why I'm so chipper and dandy and jumping around all over the place. But anyway, listen, it's not only because of that, it's because of last weekend. Check out last weekend and check out last night. Breeze have been absolutely brilliant. Whatever you may say, they've been absolutely brilliant the last few games. You know, there's some people out there who've still got the question marks about that, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But let's start focusing on the positives for the moment now. Saturday, Bristol City came. I have to admit, I was a little bit nervous. Bristol City, look what they did to, to Huddersfield, who came down to us, did a good job on us. Bristol City absolutely tore them apart. I thought, hmm, this game's going to be 3 or 2 or 4 or 4 3, 5 4. But no, Bristol City, their fans turned up, but they team didn't as they they just did nothing we beat them 2-0 2-0 at half time we shut up shop and I think we went gardening then Leeds came down last night 2-0 as well but let's go back to the pub to listen to what the fans had to say after the game after the Bristol City and the Leeds games I mean that was the most boring 2-0 win that I've seen in years actually um, I thought that we had uh, it easy in the first half. Second half, if Bristol had got a, got a goal, that could have made it a bit tense. But they're a poor team, and if they stay up, they'll only stay up because there are three worse teams than, than them in the championship. Um, and you think about all the money that Bristol City has spent and have wasted, it just shows what a good job Brentford have done this year and Matthew Benham has done this year on ensuring that we're, we'll finish somewhere between 10th and 12th. But actually, I have to say, it was a disappointing game, really, because it was so easy. And Dean Smith, the manager, got the result out of the team today as well, yeah? I thought that it was... I thought that the coaching... Uh, of the team was excellent. The coach set them up well. Um, Dean Smith. <laughs> I thought that the whole team were well motivated after the international break. And Bill, you might want to go and talk to somebody else now. Very good first half performance. Soft goals, I guess, from Bristol City's point of view. But um, second half, I think we, we, we were a little bit flat. But you know, the main thing is we got the three points, decent result, and then we can move on to Tuesday night again really exciting game against Leeds I think ahead. I mean I think you could even make an argument if you were looking year on year this time last year where we had a similar run of you know winning a few games here and there but I, but I just think that looking forward to next season there's quite a few options um, I, I just like the idea that we've now got three wide players um, one of them with incredible pace and the other two with, re- you know, with, with pretty good p- um, pace and um, you know and, and this time last year we only had one of those three and he was on loan so it's um, yeah, I, you know, I think I think things are moving in the right direction, without a doubt. We played a very high tempo uh, pattern of play in the first half. Got the two goals. Uh, Sergi got the first one. 
and a, and a little dink from uh, V-Bay, opportunities goal over the goalkeeper. But Bristol City offered very little through the game. Tammy Abraham showed, yeah, he's got some skill, got ability, but his supply lines were, were cut off. We played a really, really good high-tempo game in the first half. We tired a little bit towards the end of the second and looked a little bit weary. But other than that, regulation win, Bristol City offered very little, I thought, throughout the whole game. Um, well, it was... Um seemed like quite a formality actually but we were playing against what I thought was a team of uh, well remind me of a league one fuggery of the highest order and when you come against a team of championship spaniels and skill it was only going to be one outcome I thought 2-0 was generous for them but they should be happy that it was only 2-0 yeah, but it was, this was the Bristol City from years earlier I expected Leroy Lita to come off the bench and uh, you know it was, like, it was league one Bristol City from years ago they had no no panache about it really you know I felt sorry for Abraham up front. He's clearly an able fella. He created one chance out of nothing. But, um, yeah. Was, he's in the wrong team. He's in the wrong team. He could have been... He could have been well, we could have been five there if he played for us today. But it's, I'll tell you what I thought today felt like. It felt like a pre-season friendly. Um, there, but with the crowd. Two players I thought stood out. I thought KK, I thought Kirschbaumer. We, we have to tip our hats to him. I thought he had a, he had a really good game. For Woodsy had a really good game as well. He was he was really upsetting and annoying Bristol City. For Sawyers, um, he played very well. Um, obviously Yotta did. Um, Yozizun when he came on again, he things happen when he comes on. Um, he lo- he looks like a player we have to sign, I think, for next season. Um, and I and I, I I just think overall our class show we looked in a league above Bristol City and I think we will be next season by, by, the, by the looks of it I'm, I'm, I'm still quite excited though Bill Stephen <laughs> Tremendous a very very happy bee another clean sheet I mean you know what more could you ask for the moment they started I thought well, this could be like Saturday obviously we're all over us a bit in the second half but you know we held up firm the, the defence has suddenly become a defence it's brilliant uh, we didn't look as though we were going to win that game at all like, so yeah it was very much of a surprise. Like we didn't, we, we didn't have much up the attack. Like not that many shots on goal. So yeah, solid, really solid. Yeah, good and uh, and impressive. Um, pretty well organised and effective. And you know, I thought the beast did well. Again, Woodsy ran the show, defended well. Sawyer was fantastic. Rico Henry at left back, superstar. Those Warsaw boys. And V-Bay played really well. I thought we were raiding brilliantly. I loved it. So enjoyable. They were like uh, Bristol on Saturday. They played like statues. They're static. We played around them. I've never seen so much speed. Fullbacks, Rico Henry has made a stunning difference at left back. Outstanding young player. And uh, I just think we're, we're a much better team. Whoever we play, we'll beat them. Cardiff, Saturday, we'll beat them. It is a little bit odd one. Obviously, when Hogan left... Everyone was a little bit worried where the goals were going to come from. I think we relied a little bit too much on Hogan. Now, obviously, we've got Yotta back, we've got Canos, we've got pace down the wings, and they're creating a lot more. And we've obviously seem to be scoring more. I think Vibay is flourishing without Hogan in front of him. I think it's a win-win, really. We've got the money, and we. The players are playing fantastic. I was a little bit disappointed because all I heard tonight was how bad Leeds were. And actually, I didn't, I, not one of them said to me how well Brentford played. And I thought in the first half, I don't think Leeds were that bad at all in the first half, but I just thought we outplayed them. And it was a really, you know, very impressive performance. I thought Leeds were much stronger than, 
um, Bristol City, I suppose that goes without saying where Bristol City are in the league. I thought Leeds were a half-decent side tonight. I know it sort of petered out in the second half and probably Leeds just ran out of ideas, the truth be known, but I generally thought it was a really good performance tonight. Um, and and when you think about, you know, you, you can maybe go to the Brighton game, but we've not necessarily performed against top six teams this season and probably not the season before either, but tonight I thought we acquit, we acquit ourselves really well. So Leeds United, as we say, champions of Europe, apparently, because every time we go up there, if you haven't been to an away game at Leeds, um, they, that's what they sing, that's their song, we are the champions, champions of Europe. And of course, what Brentford fans think when they say we are the champions, champions of Europe, so there's a little bit of confusion going on because no one actually really knows who the champions of Europe are because, well, Leeds certainly aren't because they never got the champions of Europe and we, we went to Ascoli once, I think. Was it Ascoli? Yeah, we, went to Chip- we won there, but we didn't actually win the cup because uh, Derby beat us in the end and I can't remember who won the Anglo-Italian Cup, so we're not the champions of Europe. So it's a rubbish song, isn't it? It is a rubbish song, yeah. You just, we might as well, so we got as much claim to sing it as they have. And that's why we do sing it. Yeah, well, if we've beaten them, which we tend to do a fair bit. Actually, I've got to say an interjection as well. Interjection, you like that? It'd be, it'd be all French. It's not French at all, but, you know, I'm feeling a bit foreign. I'm feeling a bit, I'm feeling a bit European. <laughs> interjection. Interjection, yeah. <laughs> but um, that's right. Anything with sort of more than three syllables is absolutely and totally European. Um, the interjection is... Um, oh, let's forget the interjection. Um, I mean, I, I did notice about the, the last two games as well, the, the Bristol City game and, and the Leeds game, both have been beamed back to to uh, to the respective stadiums because you know their capacity, there were there was a, a more demand than there were tickets. But I think the beam back for both sets of fans was 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 what they would the fans in the ground wish they could do to get get out of Brentford because <laughs> because like I wish I think that all the Leeds fans wish they could be beamed back to Yorkshire instead of like getting in at three in the morning after watching their team being spanked indeed indeed and listen so I mean talking about getting spanked okay Brentford absolutely TV tremendous game um, played some great football I mean it was you know um, we go talk about the Leeds game now um, great passing football um, it's sort of funny because I was you know we were doing a little bit of filming separate filming started filming but we were doing a few other bits and pieces as well around the ground so we found ourselves in different sections of the ground so if you saw me popping up I was in the paddock at one stage I was at the top in the director's box at one stage I was down beyond the goal and so it's interesting you see it from different points of view and um, one time I said the bloke beside me cool blimey I mean leads are chasing shadows and they literally were we were passing the ball around them and it's almost like they, they have no idea what to do, which is a, sort of a really nice feeling. And you can see the Leeds fans and they were singing. And that's what I was going to say a bit earlier. They were singing. Were they not singing if Tamani scores were on the pitch? Yeah. <laughs> which I thought, OK, fair enough. They've got a sense of humour anyway, like I was saying. Um, um, <laughs> obviously, somebody hasn't told them that Tamani doesn't play for them anymore, but um, <laughs> that's not the point. But... Um, what I thought was really kind of sort of heart, you know, the heart was all pumping a bit. Leeds manager Gary Monk, he told BBC Radio Leeds after the game, credit to Brentford, they were exceptional. One of the best sides I've seen all season. Now, to me, I was just thinking, that actually says something because A, Gary Monk was a manager who's sort of linked with us. You know, Pep Clote, who's his second, his right-hand man, was meant to be the Brentford manager at one time and things didn't quite go according to plan for that, but he was almost there. And then there was a stage where we said, hold on for Monk, hold on for Monk, hold on for Monk. But, you know, we've got the new manager in, which is, you know, he's doing fantastically well. And Gary Monk ended up going to Leeds United. Leeds fans are absolutely delighted with him. They just say he's the best thing that's happened to him in years and years and years. They're really happy. I've got a text from my Leeds mate saying, if Gary Monk says you were exceptional, 
the geezer's spot on. If he said that, you must have been. <laughs> I thought, thanks for that. <laughs> but, I mean, Gary Monk, same we're exceptional. There's not really very managers that actually go really out their way to just put their hands up and say, basically, we got absolutely rinsed by that side and they were brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it's showed exceptional manners. Um, it's, just, it's true. I mean, I, I prefer plain, plain talking, honest um, communication. Well, it, no, no one hates it more when you see, in, you see it in the Premiership week in, week out. These managers are just so miserable. They don't even look like they enjoy what they're doing. All they do is moan and bitch, and they've got no great word to say about anyone else. And it's every, everything else is another, everyone else's fault. And just, just say it as it is sometimes. And if someone outplays you, then just say it, you know, and, and, and give credit where credit's due. You know, rather than say, oh, it's their cup final and everyone raises their game because of big clubs in town. You know, it's just kind of like, really, you know, it's just, it's so, it's so, it's so pathetic. You need to be able to, if someone, if someone plays well, give them a compliment and just, uh, I think you earn respect that way. So, yeah, fair, fair play to Monk. Maybe he's keeping his, um, keeping his toe in for the Griffin Park job when Chilino sacks him in the summer for parking in the wrong space or something and you know whatever he's bound to do wrong in the summer maybe maybe he's, maybe he wants to come to Griffin Park but um, seeing the way his team play football I'm not sure he's a good enough coach don't forget we you heard it here at first as we mentioned it on the podcast what, what three or four weeks ago um, Gary Monk it looks like his days are numbered regardless of how he does <laughs> with, with Leeds go up or if Leeds stay down uh, Gary Monk it looks like you know he'd be looking for a new sort of job in the summer allegedly you've got to say that apparently if Chilino's lawyers are listening just because um, well just because well just because <laughs> apparently because he's just, got two R's in his name that's right just because word on the street is, is what we can hear anyway but Leeds fans will just say we're talking absolute nonsense so it doesn't really matter anymore but we can you know we can hark back to this in the new year James, you very much enjoyed that game, I know, because I saw you smiling and beaming throughout, weren't you? Yeah, I had an absolutely lovely time. I had a lovely time. stood right in the centre of the terrace on the last uh, floodlit match of the season. Absolutely loving it. My favourite place to be. And there is the team just doing, doing the business in a way that, I'll be honest, still when I see it, I still find it surprising every time. And not because I'm a massive pessimist, although I am a massive pessimist, but because in my head, the team I support, Brentford, okay, sometimes they're good, but they're not, you know, they're not the good team. That's not who I support. So, you know, with some of these performances and all right, okay, sometimes it's only for a half each game, where these performances actually are starting to become more and more and more regular, it's... um, it takes a bit of getting used to, doesn't it? And I think if we can do that next season, and if that is the point where actually a manager don't feel they need to com- you know, compliment us on our play, not because they're just miserable, but actually because it's not a surprise anymore, I don't, I'm not sure how far... We might not be that far away from that, and that's quite a scary-slash-exciting thing. I'm, I'm going to ask the question, and I asked this on the post-match podcast and whether or not we talked about it a little bit earlier. Listen, at the moment now, we play some great football, but we've got no pressure on us. I mean, Leeds came down there with a load of pressure, and it is a slightly different ball game when you're coming down there with a bit of pressure, with a bit of a load on your back. You go, you've got the donkey on your back thinking, we need to get... I mean, I remember all the Leeds fans going, we need to beat you, we need to get three points, and you could see it. But the way they were playing, it's like rabbit in the headlight malarkey, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but they lost 1-0 at the weekend and that really did put the pressure on them. Um, it's got very tight up there. Fulham, what about, you know, Fulham have been coming up, racking up the points. 
Preston have been doing well. You know, they had that 5 0 win um, the other night. Um, so Leeds will really be, you know, they were. That's why you could see they were worried. And I, I knew, as a new, knew, I could see that a neutral person would be fearing for them because they had that hard game on the Saturday and then they had to come to us and they got us in a vein rich you know we're, we're in a brilliant form at the moment um, I, don't, I don't I don't care at all about Leeds if I'm honest I think the thing for me is with, with, with us with the no pressure thing I think what happens towards the end of this season and, and, and with any purchases that we might make next season I think we've got a really interesting opportunity because we've lost you know we, we, we've moved on, we've lost some players in the last 12 months that would be my kind of heart players, you know, your Sam Saunders and the like that are the players who kind of pick you up when you're down, when the pressure is on. We've got back the brilliance and the last minute and the never say die of your Sergi Canos and your Hotter and, you know, and some of the others. And then we've got this, you know, which is a bit of a privilege, this bit of time where we've got no pressure on us now, where we can kind of decide what sort of team we are. And I think if we can maybe buy well with someone a bit older or a bit stronger, perhaps, to strengthen the squad in the summer, but also if we can keep this momentum that we're building up now of, hey, you know, you, you see interviews with the players and, and, and they say, oh, yeah, we're an exciting team. We never say die. This is how we play. If they can get that into their heads as that's who we are, then next season, hey, maybe that's who we are. And actually, when the pressure comes, we know who we are. We're this type of team that never says die. And that might be the thing that, that actually gives us, the, you know, the consistency that we've been lacking. But it's, I think it's a really interesting time. I think I'm going to say exactly the same thing in a, in a slightly different way. No, no, no. You know, you're right. Um, what we we have got nothing to play for, but we've earned the right to have nothing to play for because we were in a bit of a tricky situation, and it's, and it's pretty much this team um, since Canos came back and since you come back dragged us away from even any any even hint of being dragged into a dogfight. You know, you know. I can flippantly say we can make the playoffs. We're not going to do that. We could we could do it, but we're not going to. Um, yeah, and, and I agree with you. We 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 use this time to to find out who we are, um, and we become confident. Um, and we yeah, it's, it's it's exciting. And you know, I think people will look at us now and be genuinely worried about what we can do next season. We we know that we are one or two or maybe three signings away from being exceptional and if we use the, the last six games of this season to go out and attack, attack, attack that's who we are that's who we become I mean and and you, and you again because you can say that and listen we're saying out there that everyone's got their point of view people out there it's interesting because there's also there's some people out there have got a different opinion and difficult because necessarily these people come on the podcast here so sometimes we have to just reflect the opinion because you want to show what the opinion is out there and some other people are sort of saying well mm, not quite sure we have, to, we have to wait maybe wait and see you know there's been so much inconsistency out there why are we all getting excited after three results which is kind of a bit of a fair question as well to a certain extent um, there is also an argument to say you know why don't you just enjoy it while you can do but also the other thing is that you know is the proof in the pudding going to be next season? You know, is it a case that we have to 
that we're building towards something and next season is where, where we're building towards. I mean, I'm, I'm asking this question because I'm, I'm almost trying to kind of bring other people's arguments because I'm actually very excited about next season, but I can also see it some, some other people's point of view where they might be thinking is that, well, to be quite honest with you, we're actually not really that good and the, the teams who are up there are really up there and yes, we might get some results every now and again, but maybe as the Leeds fans say, all we're doing is we're just raising our game every now and again, but on a, on a, on a 46 game level, we're probably not going to be there at all. Gary, you want to say something about that? Yeah, so as you said, you're excited about um, next season. I mean, I'm excited again, and one thing that really kind of struck home for me was the uh, was Alan Judd signing his extension. Now, I don't think whatever if there's a. I mean, people talk about finances X, Y, and Z, but unless we actually were able to sell to Alan Judge that we were going to do, we were going to actually compete next year. I don't think we would. I don't think we would be able to um, sign him on for another two years. Just going back to the, so that post-match podcast as well, it's quite interesting because you know um, Dean Smith has come up to he's come up to a lot, you know, quite a lot of kind of grief, I think, to a certain extent. You know, considering the, the amount of stuff that he's had to put up with, been a lot of question marks flying around. Personally, from what I can gather, he doesn't really care because he's been through the mill. He's been seen what football fans are like. You know, one minute you love you, one minute hate you. So it doesn't really bother him that much. But that's quite interesting. But obviously, there's one person who's part of this podcast who is Liberal Nick, who um, week in and week out for, for months and months and months has not. No, he just he 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 has steadfastly refused to give any credit to the manager. Even in situations where we've been playing brilliant football, and he's put it out to the fans, he's put it out to the to the plumber, you know, he's put it out to the to the sun at one stage, I think it was, and that's the sun in the sky, not the newspaper, which we won't talk about. But to be fair, in the post-match podcast, for the first time, Liberal Winnick turned around and he said, "I'm actually going to give credit to Dean Smith," which I thought was a not saying that he's the barometer of loads of other people, but I think it kind of has got to the stage where. Sometimes you've got to give credit. It's only fair you give credit where credit is due. We've seen some fantastic performances recently. We played a side in the playoffs and we played them off the park. And you've got to say that the manager and the team around the manager and that have had something to do with that, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, listen, I know, I'm, I'm going to defend Nick to a certain extent. You know. I'm not going to go at him. No, 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 I know you're not. But, you know, I think you just need to be fluid. Um, when, when someone plays awfully, you say they're, they're playing awfully. And when someone's playing great, you say they're playing great. You can't, you can't say they're, they're rubbish week in, week out. When it, you, know, you, you lose all credibility if you, if you don't actually tell it as it is. And, and this is what we were saying with Gary Monk. He, he, he said it as it is, and he's getting, he's getting applauded because of it. Um, none of us know how, we, how, how it's going to turn out with Dean Smith. Um, you know, we, we, you need a, always need a crystal ball, and it's that glass half full, glass half empty thing where you know people don't want to be seen to be wrong, so they'll just say they'll keep saying it's awful because they said it was awful six months ago. If it's not awful anymore, just do yourself a favour and just enjoy it, the moment because you know I, there there are people, and this isn't me putting words in anyone's mouths is people that have said the first half performance of the last two games are the best it's the best football the best football in 45 minutes twice that they've seen in the whole time they've been supporting the club and that includes Mark Warburton's era and we, you know, I know that season we got 78 points that season when we made the playoffs and we lost to Middlesbrough you know we were exceptional more and more often than not 
um, and we, we've played better football over the course of that whole season than we have this season. But the, it, the, the signs are that we're capable of reaching those heights again. And we've just got, that, that's the reason I'm excited, because, you know, that, that looks a million miles away from happening earlier on in the season. And you could understand why, why Smith was getting some grief. But now it's very different. And, and again, and, 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 and Nick, and I know you, if you're listening, Nick, you know we always have a little jab at you. This is not actually a go at you. It's a, actually highlighting the fact that you've looked at a situation and maybe just said, I'm going to put my hands up and, and I'll, I'll tip my hat. Um, because we were just having a look at the, the Besotted website. And if you have a look at besotted.co.uk as well, it's an article that was put up on, uh, on today, on, on t- this morning, actually, regarding the, the Leeds game. And just a little video clip was put out, a little article just talking about the Leeds game as well. And again, everyone is down to their own opinion. So you're not sitting down there and you're not pointing. But we just thought it was quite interesting where you come out of that game and you get very excited about the way that we're playing. Um, and it's almost reminds me of like, you know, like when you go at school and you're really trying really hard at school and you go to the teacher and you do everything and you do, you know, the teacher's giving you 10 things to do and you do everything perfectly. You get A stars and everything. But, you know, one of the things you don't do quite right and the teacher doesn't talk about any of the things that you've done right. All they do is that they just pick out the negative thing that you do and they tell you that you're really bad and really horrible and just put you down and you think, oh, my God, what have I done? And it just reminded me of that situation here as well where, again, people pick up on the negative side of things and, and I sort of think listen I'm not being funny mate we're, we're, not, we're not we're not the biggest side in this league at all in fact we're, we're still one of the smallest sides in this league. we're doing very well we've just beaten the champions of Europe you know what I'm saying what, at least for 24 hours can't you just celebrate it and just have a bit of a laugh I'm going to leap to these people's defence Bill if I can um, because about 90% of the time I am one of them um, I I get, I get in trouble in lots of things in life about being a little bit overly critical of things. And one of the things I always say in return is, well, if you care about something, you always want to think of ways to make it better. And so we could give the benefit of the doubt and say to these you know, these people, they're just thinking about you know, the, the, the few different ways in which if we just solved a couple of problems, then everything would be perfect and there'd be no problems and everything would be fine. Um, one of the interesting things I think about everybody's... I mean, everybody... The people that are sceptical about Dean Smith's uh, attitude to Dean Smith, and one of the reasons why I think it's turned a little bit recently, and that's not particularly about the Liberal, but in general, is I think because he brought in those Walsall players, his his stock is always seems to be tied to how they play, and particularly how Romain Sawyer's plays. I mean, Woods, okay, everyone's kind of accepted Woods. Rico Henry was sort of hidden for so long it's just quite exciting but, but for, for a lot of people until they see Sawyer's doing the biz they're never ever going to be convinced by Dean Smith and so I think where we've seen him more obviously play well or people have noticed him play well in the last couple of games I wonder if that's starting to be some of the times when people are thinking oh maybe this Dean Smith isn't so bad after all and I hear what you're saying but again and listen there's Everyone's got their opinion, and sceptical is what we're sitting down there. At, at, at points, we're sitting down there scratching our heads, goes, this is right, this is wrong, because you're right to question things, and I think that's right, but also, you know, you, you could flip, you could say yes, you could say, you know, no, you could say yes, you could no. And again, through the Liberal, he was completely right in his opinion, because he thought certain things, but now he's turned around and said, no, I feel this at this point. But we're not talking about that, are we, Laney? We're talking about 
we're talking about something different. I mean, if you, I mean, just just paraphrase a few. Well, yeah, I, I think I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think it's you know there's, there's certain people that the manager aside, you're always gonna you're, you're never ever gonna agree on the potential of a manager, no matter what football club you're at. There always always there's always people gonna think someone else could come in and do it better. Look what's happening at Arsenal. There's a perfect example. No matter what someone's achieved, and no matter how much part of one manager is part of that football club, like he's even named after the football club, he, 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 there's someone better that can come in. So even if Dean Smith was called Brent Ford Smith, you know, there would be people saying, no, he's not Brentford enough. But, but I, there's, a, there's, an underlying, there's an underlying negativity in some people, um, which, which means that no matter what positive is going on, they will always try and undermine it. And I just don't know what, you know, I, I, I do get that people are entitled to speak their minds and, and criticise things. But no one would ever advocate that's not the case. But there are some people that will, they will just, pick, I don't know what they do. I don't know what, they must look at a game and see us winning 2-0 and be really miserable and, and, and want to get home and, and, and complain about it. You know, some, you know this, this, this guy, he's just saying that, you know, um, we're just a really average team. We're just an average team. You know, and, and then you've got someone else saying, in, you know, in 50 years that they've been supporting them, that this is the best football we've ever seen in our lives. I mean, what has he been, you know, he's saying, he's saying, he's saying sort of like, um, BFC are now playing with no pressure. It does not need to be leaned against the overall picture. Having stumbled towards Wolves' mid-table safety, let's see how they do next season, which is fair enough. Let's see how we will do next season. We will see if the constant problem of the inconsistency and the weakness of a mediocre manager whose fallibility has been masked by the lucky streak he seems to get, as per last season, to save his bacon. The squad and set-up can, gr can grindingly manage championship survival, but promotion... Question mark. Yeah, I mean some of it, but we, we but we, we haven't we haven't stumbled to, to, to safety. We've 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 played with flair and panache, and and we we've, we've coasted it in the end. You know, just because just because we had a sticky patch in the middle, the the, the season, the the, the the final league table of the season is all that you need to look at. And when it when the, when we finish, we're going to be nearer the playoffs than we are the relegation zone. The guys written something on our website. And we're trying to understand it. I'm trying to understand it. And I'm sitting down there getting texts from my Leeds mate, getting texts from my Norwich mate, going, from my Reading mate, going, how the hell are you in the, not in the top six, right? He's asked me that question after we played them. I've got fans who I respect from other Nottingham Forest fans who are getting up and applauding our players off as they get taken off, right? So, so these are other people who seem to respect and, 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 and appreciate our football team more than some of the people who support our team do. So at the end of the day, so I'm trying to kind of get my head around what is kind of going on here because for me maybe I'm just getting too happy and I'm too jolly and I see some good football and I enjoy it and have a few beers and have a chat with my mates and I go home but that's kind of how I enjoy my football and maybe not everybody does it that same way. I think not everybody does do it that same way. I mean, I know, well I know quite a few people who kind of enjoy being miserable if I'm honest and, I, and that's how they enjoy football and actually that's alright. The thing that I think is interesting is you could say well, hang on, you're forgetting. We've had some serious, stressed, down times this season. You know, my almost embarrassing rant after Chelsea, the fury after Norwich, you know, that was all this season still. We've been, yeah, we have been at our absolute best at certain times. We've also been pretty shitty. And yes, all right, 
being miserable in every game is stupid, but actually, you know, I, I, I sat here 15 months ago super, super excited about this season, and this season, taken over the course of it, if you ignore the last couple of games, it's been one of the most boring I've ever seen as sport in Brentford, because nothing's happened. We've not done anything, we're not threatened to do anything. So, it's... You're not ever, actually. Well... I, I think we because we've had such an exciting last five years that it seems like forever. Maybe, but even when we, I mean, I've only been supporting for I don't know, 23, 20, yeah, 23. Loyal, which is just uh, before I was born. Um, and for me, we've been always the team that's almost either almost going down or almost coming up. And actually, I don't know that Brentford fans know how to deal with mid-table obscurity. If I'm honest, I don't think we know how to process it. I think I think we've really forgotten about and middle mid table considering our budget the size of the club has to be considered comfortable. I mean I consider myself a football realist, so I remember we spoke at half time in the Burton game and I was very down on the performance the way goals were going in. But if you remember we had a conversation afterwards when people were saying this is it's a relegation battle and I said we won't get relegated because as much as you'll remember the Norwich game, if a neutral looked at the two games you played against Brighton, who would they think was a better team? You know, we don't, we almost dominated Brighton for two whole games. We know that that's what we've got in our lock and we can bring that out at any given moment and we will bring it out. And, and again, and as, as, and, and as Gemma said as well, okay, she, you know, you talk about that, we've had some down moments. Every team, I'm not being funny, do you want to be a Blackburn fan? Do you want to be a Forest fan? Do you want to be an Ipswich fan? Do you want to do that? And also what I would like to just remind you is that the fact is that teams are, you know, and I'm just saying, but teams are there, they're building. Huddersfield fan last year, very close to the relegation zone, smashed out of the earth, 5-1 by Brentford last game of the season. You know what I'm saying? Listen, but at the end of the day, the signs were there last season that Huddersfield were building for this season. So you, at some stage, you, you, you're gonna, you, you have to build at some stage to do the business. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm, gonna, I'm looking at this league table as well. I mean, talking about, you know, Gary said about being a football realist. You know, looking at this league table, um, Brentford, the clubs that are in our division that are similar sized clubs to us, I'd say... Um, so I would say Br- Bristol City, they're probably bigger than us. Burton, certainly smaller than us. Rotherham, about the same size as us, but have got a new stadium. Um, Ipswich are bigger than us. I mean, they've got, they got more season ticket holders than us. They've got a bigger stadium than us. Um, and, and probably pr- maybe Preston, North End and Barnsley. Yeah, Preston, North End and Barnsley. So we are above all of them, apart from Preston, who are having a really good run. Um, and poor old Rotherham United, they got 17 points out of the whole season. You know that, that's, that's a that's a that's a that is and they, three of them are against us. Um, so so that's that's a proper stinky season. So you know Rotherham are arguably our closest club in terms of size, um, and you know we've got we've got we've got more than twice their points. We've almost got three times their their their, their points. So we're we're not doing bad, and that's not being an apologist. Again, it's just being a realist. You know, it it isn't a bad season. Hopefully, next year's going to be better. So looking forward to this season. I mean, you know, what have we got to look forward to this season? You know, everyone says it's our cup final. You know, the fact we got QPR and, and Fulham in two weeks at Park. You know. We're not really that sad, but to be quite honest with you, as football fans, you know, of course you look forward to games like this, and 
Fulham, I mean, I, I love playing Fulham. I think it's brilliant. QPR, it's all right. You know, some other fans are like, I love QPR and Fulham's not too bad. But for me, I love playing Fulham. Playing Fulham is absolutely brilliant. Going down to Fulham, I, 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 I can't remember having a bad game down at Fulham. It probably was about sort of 20 or 30 years ago, maybe. We probably had a one bad game. But every time we go down there, we have a right laugh because everyone's in a great mood. All the pubs, just Brentford, everywhere. And we just have a great laugh. And, and all, more often than not, we actually get a decent result. We should have won last year. Unfortunately, the referee was blind. And uh, I think it was, it was right, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's a shame, shame that the old video technology hadn't come into play by then because we scored, Yacht scored in the last minute and it was uh, he was onside he was given offside wasn't he so we would have, we would have won that game that's, that's uh, right that's right but you know but absolutely looking forward to, 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 to the Fulham game and we're going to talk about the Fulham game because we've just got our tickets come up Gaz haven't we so I just wanted to make a point there I do believe that um, the hotter goal was disallowed because it wasn't in the last minute that's why it was disallowed it was too early yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're probably not wrong there as well but tickets went on sale today in fact Jesus I've got to go and buy my ticket um, which is uh, well Wednesday tickets went on sale this morning 2,800-ish tickets went on sale to Bees fans which has got a bit of a like, oh, horror thing going on um, it's very very strict after the malarkey that we had recently where people were unable to buy tickets for Chelsea I think it was so it's one per person season ticket holders and it's spanning out to next Tuesday then it goes on sale to members 2,800 tickets isn't a lot of tickets to be quite honest with you if you consider the pottiness of people who all want to go down to Fulham it's only just down the road um, we're trying to work out here whether or not more tickets are going to be going on sale. We've actually kind of put a few feelers out to a few characters out there to find out what the situation is with the, the other tickets. But in the meantime, people are, are finding alternative means to, to get down to Fulham because they cannot rely on the fact that they, unfortunately, some of them live out of town, so they haven't got season tickets, or some of them are maybe students, so they, you know, they're at college, so you know they don't come down to Brentford as often as they can do, so they haven't got the points total. So they're looking at whatever way possible to try and get hold of tickets for this game. It's, um, it, 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 you know, forget the cup final. It's one of the highlights of our season, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Um, you know, in the same way as Liverpool versus Everton, it's going to be one of their cup finals and the Glasgow Rangers, Glasgow Celtic. You know, the Celtic fans are always going to say it's Rangers' cup final. I mean, it's, that's, that's what rivalry is about. And if you take that out, what a boring old game this will be. Um, I think our allocation, it, that seems a bit low. I mean, I... I'll be I'll be really surprised if that's what how it that's how it you know that's how it stays. Well, the word on the street that we've heard is that if we get any more tickets, we probably only get about another 300 tickets in in the old restricted view area, and that's about it. So we're probably going to get up to 3,000 tickets, and that's it. So other than that, um, there is a, an apparently neutral zone. Apparently, where characters seem to be uh, purchasing tickets for, and you know if that's what Fulham decide that they want, um, there probably going to be a lot of Brentford fans in the neutral zone because it's going to be very. Well, red and white there, isn't it? Where there's will, there's a way. You know, if it's, it's, the, it's one of those you, you don't want to miss games um, every season. And um, I, I'm sure people would get in by hook or by crook if that's what they want to do. And I think for the, considering the, 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 how many Brentford are going to be there, uh, have been there the last two seasons, um, we're, we, we're, we sell out very quickly, I, I, would, I would hope. Um, it's interesting as well because obviously Brentford haven't played Fulham for a very long time. Then we played them, you know, the season the bees that Fulham down, and we went there and completely humiliated them. Beat them, tw- you know, twice in a season. Two, you know, two last-minute goals from Hotter and all the malarkey that went down that season. That was absolutely fantastic. And you can see Fulham a shell shock that season because they had no idea. They just come back from the Prem, lots of money they had, but they didn't know 
no idea how to spend it. Last season again, again we, we, we pretty much humiliated them, especially at home, 3-0 as well. They were all over the place. To be fair, this year Fulham are back. Got a good manager. They've got they bought some decent players. They're a bit up and down. I had somebody that went to go and see them recently, and they said they're quite similar to Brentford in the fact that they're very good, very good on the attack, but also sometimes if they're put under pressure under the break, they concede goals very quickly. So their midfield all of a sudden went missing after 60 minutes. So, um, but what for me, I think it's just what interesting. We talk about the the, the, the anim- I say a little, little bit of animosity between the bees and the Fulham fans. You see, any any time you put anything up about the Fulham, they always kind of pop up, and there's all these remarks taking place. And you know, two years ago they just thought that you know they wouldn't even sort of take it off their shoe. But now, the, um, to me, I'm just sort of thinking the funny thing is that you know. They're actually taking us, they are taking us quite seriously, even though they do take the pee out of us the whole time, isn't they, Thing is, they are still waking up in the middle of the night, wetting their beds, having a nightmare about that 4-1. That's what it comes down to. Because as you said, they didn't take us seriously. Um, as far as they were concerned, they were a premiership team. We were we were little Brentford messing about in Division 4, as far as they were concerned. They, they were, as I said in... Um, 1997 they were gonna, never going to play us again then when they did play us again all of a sudden they got wet up big time but the three I mean but I mean, the, 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 the argument I'll say was say not three years but this is the what, third season now is it the third season that we played them so the third season is it isn't the novelty worn off? Isn't it kind of like, you know, the first season was like, oh, the second season was... And isn't it year on year, isn't it wearing off? Or is it, is it exactly the same, Jim? I don't know that it wears off. I think it changes a bit. I mean, that first year, we were beside ourselves, weren't we, very excited just at the fact of playing them. Then when we just, you know, absolutely humiliated them in the most amusing way possible, um, that was obviously fantastic. I think the good thing about this season is we're not overwrought anymore we're not you know we're not like oh my god it's Fulham but we're like yeah we get to play Fulham it's brilliant we might beat them again and we've got this lovely lovely opportunity where we've got no pressure on us other than let's beat Fulham Uh, but the way they are in the league we could really really ruin their season and what could be more fun than that yeah, Fulham have underestimated us. You know, those, the four-one game at, at their place and the three-nil game at our place last season. Although they have beaten us a couple of times, they beat us in the, the League Cup and they beat us in the league at home this year. So they, they, it's not it's not been all one-way traffic, but I certainly want our record going into it rather than, than theirs. And I think, Jim, you're absolutely spot on um, about us not being overawed anymore. I think that's I think that's one thing that I'm finding is the players um, and the coaching staff and the manager. They, they are, whatever the championship throws at them is within their comfort zone. Um, I'm not. I don't. I don't think that we go to any stadiums now, thinking, "Oh my God, look at look at where we're playing." Maybe St James's Park. We, this year we were a little bit. We, we were a little bit nervy. But I think that's the only example I can think of. You know, and the, and the, and the not even real. We, were, we didn't even turn up at Chelsea, so I don't know if that was overawed. And you know, we've won at. Uh, Carrow Road, so it wasn't the stadium that you know that got us a hiding. It was the fact that we were awful. So um, I think I think we go to Craven Cottage, pumped up, and you know this is where the playing without fear, without anything to play for, comes right into our favour. We can go out there and we can just give it to them. It's not going to be like some of these games that we've had over the last couple of years where teams have adapted to us. Fulham have to play their game because Fulham have to win it. 
after they lost last night and they got well beaten last night, they're now outside the playoffs. They know they want to get in the playoffs. These games they have to win. They can't afford to be dropping points. They can't afford to be sitting back and playing to our strengths. They've got to play to their strengths. So I think it's going to be a fairly open game. And if we can get Canos and Hot on the ball, I think they're going to have a lot of space. OK, look, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the childish corner now. Right? Let's just get really childish about this now. Now, would you rather that Fulham kind of like dropped away a little bit and lost a few more games and maybe drew a few more games and then when they played us they needed to get the three points to get into the playoffs and that would you prefer that or would you rather that they were like in the playoffs are in around there and then we came and then we beat them and then that kind of killed all their chances of getting into you know the playoffs what would you rather that they were they were, they were, they were out of it and they needed to get the win or would you rather they're in there and we splashed it Yes. I hope that we beat them and they field an eligible player, get points deducted and miss out on the playoffs. Well, to inflict the most pain, we need to catch them when they're at their point of most hope. So it would have to be that when they're in there and we knock them out. I mean, there's, surely there's only one answer. I don't give a monkey's either of those, to be honest. And I, and I think it's a good timing by you, Bill, because I was just about to say, let's get petty. And you said childish. So I think we're on the, on the same script here. Um, I I just want I'm I am going to get petty. I just want to ta- do whatever it takes for them not to get in the playoffs. So even if we if we even if it means us getting a draw there, if them dropping points means they're going to lose out. Were, there, were any of their fans hoping that we would get beat Middlesbrough and go up to the Prem? No. So you know let let's let's, let's like say as it is. They 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 don't give a monkeys about us and we don't give a monkeys about them. And for me, it would be Fulham being up there and dropping out because uh, that's the excitement. That, to me, is the excitement because you're going to be going there knowing that you, you've got one result that you need to do and, and there's going to be a lot of crying. But this actually reminds me of, and hopefully it's a, it's, this, this is how it plays out, when we went to South End, we went to Roots Hall, final game of the season. I think it might have been 1989. It was a year before we made the playoffs, I think, and they needed to win to clinch the championship. And we went there and we beat them or drew we really really poo-pooed their party and um, that, that was that was uh, again childishly gratifying indeed anyway we're going to move on and talk about other bits and pieces so um, something that Bill and I have been involved in the last three or four weeks is this really well it's two two really interesting video projects one's for kick it out uh, which we'll tell you about another week. We, we, told, we told you a little bit about that in um, about Crawley last week. But the one that involves Brentford is we're working with the club to help promote the season ticket drive. Um, and what we're going to do, and what we have been doing over the last three or four games, is doing our normal besotted stuff. Um, and we've been capturing what being a Brentford fan means to people and, and chatting to them about how it's part of their soul and how they're part of their routine, what Griffin Park means to them. And just all the, all the, we're trying to capture what being a Brentford fan means to the Brentford fans, trying to encourage others or people that don't really go as often um, or got out of the habit of buying season tickets to try and get them to fill Griffin Park, make the most of Griffin Park for the next three, four years, however long it is we're, that we're there. Um, obviously, you know, there's not one bad thing that can come out of this because it is in all our interest to have the atmosphere at Brentford um, as lively and as vibrant as an exciting it can be all the time we're at Griffin Park. And I've had a couple of interesting conversations with people about what it is that makes Griffin Park so special, whether 
it's the brilliant floodlights, whether it's that, you know, it's it's an old Victorian ground, the close-knit um, proximity to the pitch we are, the old Victorian roads. Um, but mainly, and this is the this is the bottom line, take the football game out of it as well, because I'm an advocate to keep football out of football as, as much as you possibly can. Football's the one thing that will ruin a really good day out when you go to football. The one thing that I think, well, one of the main ingredients of what makes Brentford special are the fans, the people that make up the crowd, the, the diversity, the, the creativity, the, 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 the variety of people that fill the stadium, the, the people that we all surround ourselves by, brilliant West London people. And what Billy and I have been doing is been walking around the stands in the beginning of the game. We've been trying not to miss the whole match because it does take a lot of time up. And just speaking to kids, families, the old fans, the people like us in our 40s and 50s, the younger younger youth that stand at the back of the Eden Road singing their songs and creating songs, that every single kind of fan that we know, we, we see week in, week out, we've been trying to chat with them. And what we hope to do, Bill will explain a little bit more what we hope to do with it, but if you, if you look on the official website in the next couple of weeks, you'll, you should start to see some of our content. Um, and we, we've, got a, we've got a big job now editing it, but we hope to pr produce something really special. So, you know, I hope, I hope you look out for it, I hope you enjoy it. And I think, you know, part of this whole thing is that as we start to do this, we start to think, think about Brentford, and especially as the, the Lionel Lowe Stadium is now kind of become a reality. So all of a sudden it's like there's this ticking clock down to sort of Lionel Rose. And all of a sudden it's like Griffin Park, the place that we've been to for a number of years, a lot of people have been to a number of years, is like, it's slowly, surely, sort of kind of being pulled away from us, like, you know? So the one thing we thought is that what makes... Brentford, why do you love Brentford so much? And we just thought it'd be really great to just go out and document and speak to people to find out why do they love their club, what makes it so good, what, what, what is so good about the football team and why do you come here, why do you do it, Who do you, when did you start, when did you finish, who do you come with, uh, you know, what are the things you like about it, what are the things you hate about it, because to me I find that interesting, I know Laney you find that interesting, so it's going out there and um, we've, we've, we've caught a couple of people, caught, you know, quite a few people, it, it takes bloody long time as we say and we'd like to catch as many people as possible so if anyone is interested in coming up there talk to us about it you can email us at 1992gmail.com you can get us on twitter you can get us on uh, through the website uh, you can just try and get hold of us at any way that you can do and we'll quite happily try and get and chat to you we'll speak to you at the ground we might come and you know interview you at another time or I, I don't know but you know we're just thinking over the space of even the next year or so there's a lot of people's stories need to be told. We had a story from one fan, Singby. Brilliant. I've seen him for years going down to Brentford. But I never knew anything about his background, about him coming in 1978 over from India, not knowing anything about football. He told us his whole story about how he started to get into football. He's been going to, to, to Brentford since 1978. He's a, a Sikh Indian guy who, who sits, stands on the Ealing Road Terrace. He's been going there for years. He loves Brentford through and through. He's 100% is a Bees fan. And he sat there and told us our story. And we just thought, that's really wicked, mate. Knew nothing about that. So trying to get people's stories about that for us, it just makes us feel very good.
Yeah, and it's, it's that whole baton being passed down from generation to generation. It's, it's something I've I've been into for many years, and I've I've produced you know probably twenty or thirty books on for different football clubs that celebrate it. The old Till I Die series of books, and you know we spoke to Mary Firth outside the New Road on uh, on Saturday. She's she's ninety four years old. She's been going for eighty one years. There's a lovely clip on on the, on beside Twitter that just said, you know just says there was four generations of female fans from her family with her on, on, on Saturday, which shows that we've got this unique, um, really rich heritage. Um, and there's you know, a guy I spoke to last night um, outside the New Road Turnstiles. He's been, he's been first season he, was, he went was 1936, and his dad was going since the 20s. So he, he, his dad would have seen Brentford play you know, in the Southern League. So that's why it's, you know, it's just amazing. And, we, and we, Bill and I are going to capture these stories while they're there. And hopefully what they will do uh, indirectly is also help us get the stadium and um, the atmosphere that we want in, 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 the, in the new ground. You know, but I think we need to capture and celebrate what it is about Brentford fans and, um, and Griffin Park. And Jim, I mean, I spoke to Gemma as well. You know, we spoke to you last night as well because I know you're a massive fan of floodlights and we were just talking about you know, what the floodlights mean to fans. A floodlight game, a floodlight match at Griffin Park. Um, a lot of people think it's very special and I think you're one of those people, aren't you, Gemma? Yeah, I do, um, and I'll tell anyone that asks at length and probably in triplicate if they're very nice to me. Um, this, well, not to repeat everything that's for the party, but there's something about it, isn't there? And there's, I think, when you're when you're when you're doing something, when you're going to to Griffin Park, and and one of the things that. I've always done since I've been to Griffin Park is take photos all the time. I take photos of everything, even now after I've been going there for, you know, since since before I was born, um, you know, to the games. And, and I still take pictures as I go through. And, 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 you know, yesterday, even leaving, taking pictures of the floodlights and the haze and how it shows over the houses and stuff. Because cause it, it's beautiful, but also because, it, you know, it is something that we're going to lose. And, you know... We talk you know, every, every time now when we're standing when I'm standing on the terrace. Pretty much every game, you hear someone say, "I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss this so much." And it's starting to get to the front of people's minds now. Actually, this is this is something with a, a sell-by date, and this is something that very soon is going to be a memory. And we have to, and you guys have to, and everyone has to work out how we are able to capture it, bring it with us for our own sanity when we're in our new stadium but also give it you know give it to people who never get to experience it because just like I'm saying I always think about Brentford as someone who's always at the top or the bottom of the division you know there's plenty of fans now we've only been going a few years and their experience is totally different to mine and in a couple of years soon you know that that experience is totally different to mine it's also going to include the new stadium and not Griffin Park we've got to find a way to carry that through Yes, I mean, I spoke to you last night as well about you, you, you know, your experience at Griffin Park. And again, you know, it's quite a heart-wrenching, you know, when you get people to talk about them and the reasons why they love Brentford. It's interesting, they pause for a bit and then all it just comes flooding out, doesn't it? No, definitely it does. As I said, the whole kind of... It's actually funny because um, about six weeks ago, I actually had a dream about like, the last game at Griffin Park and it was like closed and I was just sitting in the stadium as they started to pull it down and it's only then it actually dawned on me that this is actually going to happen because as I said to you last night I've, li I've lived on the um, 
you know, I grew up on, on the estate, so literally 400 yards away from Griffin Park. So it's all, even before I was into football, the football stadium was always there. So when I first went swimming to the breakfast bars, walking past the stadium, when I used to go to the library as a little kid, walking past, it's always, even before I was a Brentford fan, that stadium was always there. The idea of it kind of not being there is still completely alien to me. Don't get me wrong, I, you know, I mean, definitely no, we have to move, but it just seems weird that that stadium isn't going to be there in, say, maybe three, four years' time. This isn't going to replace Griffin Park or go anyway near to kind of making people feel okay about it. But um, uh, I've started work on the big book of Griffin Park uh, this week. Um, if anyone's bought the official 125-year book or any of the big Brentford books of the 70s, 80s or 90s, you'll know the format. But this is going to be the biggest book that I've ever produced. We're looking at about 750 pages. It's going to weigh about two and a half kilos. Um, and it's going to be just full of every single photograph that uh, I have left. That, um, just the most amazing pictures that we couldn't use for whatever reason in the, in the first four books. Um, and it's going to be something that people will treasure forever. And it's going to go back to the earliest photographs that are available at Griffin Park from 1905 when we moved there, all the way up to people pictures, people photographs that people have taken on their phones and their cameras in recent times with them and their families would include them as well. So it's going to be the biggest photographic um, record of Griffin Park that is humanly possible to compile and that will be out at Christmas. Um, so we're, we're, we're in the very early stages of that. Me and Mark Croxford started that this week. So um, that will be on the Versailles website and a few other websites and the club's official website hopefully in the next couple of weeks of how you can reserve a copy um, and get involved because um, you know it's for us, it's for the fans to make sure that we remember it how we want and that's why exactly what we're, I'm going to do and Bill and I are going to make sure that we get as much video footage and as much video um, testimonials and memories from you lot and we're just we're, we, we can we can't we can only do so much but what we can do is encapsulate the spirit and we'll work hard to do that so season's coming to an end not yet but in a few weeks time we're playing Fulham as we talked about on the 30th the Saturday the 30th the day after that we've got our end of season social it's like a bit of a knees up it's a little bit of a get together it's a reason for everyone to get together and have loads of beers Saturday's 29th. Apologies. Saturday's the 29th and Sunday. Bank holiday Sunday is the 30th. Bit of a knees up, bit of a drink up. Characters get together and have a bit of a laugh. And what we've done is what we tried to do is we tried to pull together music and entertainment and everything into one place and just have a lot of fun. So we have got a venue and we have got um, comedian. We have got a magician who's gone missing at the moment, but he's going to hopefully turn up in a bit. But there's a reason why he's gone missing. We will talk about that probably on the night. And then we've got four Brentford players. We've got two sessions with them, one early, one late, with the Brentford players, with a question and answer with them. We've got DJ, and uh, we've got um, Gary Roberts. We've got Francis Joseph. We've got Billy Manuel, and we've got Graham Benstead. We're doing a bit of a Q&A with them, and everyone could just hang out with them, which is a bit of a laugh. But on top of that, we've also got other people who've decided to come up and hang out for us as far as we know. And they said, listen, we'd love to come down because we've got your Brentford players up there doing the Q&A. So we'll come down in the bar, have a bit of food with you, have a bit of drink with you and hang out with Brentford fans. And um, who have you got, Laney? Well, listen to this for a line-up, right? So, Aicha Anderson, Danny Boxall, Jackie Graham, Terry Rowe, Andy Frampton... 
Terry Scales, Jamie Bates, Scott Partridge, Terry Evans, Pat Cruz, Mark McCammon, Marcus Gale, and Carl Hutchins. And there's, there's more to come, but these guys, these players, it's probably, it's probably well over a thousand appearances between that lot. Um, Jamie Bates on his own had 520 something. So, um, you know, th there's, there's some serious Brentford nostalgia there, some proper, proper legendary players. Um, from the 70s through to the, the, the 2000s, and 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 yeah, the noise. And there's, there's one, there's a couple of big surprises that we, we we won't announce now, but before the event, we we should have some quite stellar news about a couple of others that are going to come down. But um, overall, there's almost 20 players there um, who you can have a drink with, have a chat with. There's not no none of them are aloof. They're not all going to sit in some corned off VIP area. They'll be having a drink with you, having a chat with you, sitting at your tables, having a pint and having a dance with you later on. So get your tickets. Um, by the time this goes live, there'll be a banner on the Besotted website. Besotted.co.uk. And there'll be, it'll all be on Twitter, um, at Besotted, and it'll be on our Facebook account. Um, so it'll be very difficult on any of the Besotted um, social or digital out, um, media to miss this, um, ring around to all your mates, find out how many of you want to come, get in quick, tickets will be limited in number. And the early birds are already gone. Early bird, yeah, early birds are sold out, so, so yeah, get down here. So it's Sunday, April 30th, the Sunday of the bank holiday weekend, the day after Fulham, um, come and join us. And, and it's funny as well, because again, we, I mean, we've got our four players are doing the Q&A, but it's, it's really weird, because the, the, the other Brentford players, it kind of sort of like spiralled a little bit, where we were just ringing around a few people and asked them if they want to do it. We said, and they said, look, you know, we, we just fancy coming down for a beer. And it's kind of sort of <laughs> just turned into a bit of a sort of kind of social event for ex-Brentford players, it seems. I mean, we, you know, I'm not going to say that, but they, 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 we didn't ask them to come. They sort of turned up and said, look, you know, we, we quite fancy coming down for a little bit of a beer, see a couple of our own mates, you know, just hang out with old Brentford players and stuff like that, which is sort of quite a nice feeling because the whole reason why we tried to put this whole thing together is to try and get Brentford fans together, try and get all Brentford players together and just basically talk Brentford for the night, talk Brentford for the night and just hang out. And we just quite like the idea that, you know, if it works out as it's meant to, all these old Brentford players have seen this as an opportunity that they can come down and have a few beers and then just hang out with fans that you know that used to, to, to they used to chant with them at the terraces and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's just it's just a collection of like-minded souls, really. And you know, for whatever whatever side of that white line you were on, whether you were playing for Brentford or, or cheering cheering them on, um, there's a, an affinity and a bond between us. And you know, without getting poetic. Um, it, it, this is all part of this specialness and capturing it and the very reason that you and I started the social club was to kind of embody it and, and you know for, for Terry Evans to sort of like just want to come back and have a beer because he enjoyed the first one so much and now uh, and Nigel Anderson and Francis Joseph like itching to be part of it you know it, it's, 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 it's very proud you know I feel very proud of what we, we started so this is only going to grow so um, you know make sure you, you don't miss out on, on what's going to be the biggest one so far um, and yeah, just just come and join us on the on the thirtieth and the Sunday, and let's uh, let's do our bit. Let's see the see the season out with a bit of a bang. Cardiff City again. Talking about Cardiff City, we're playing Cardiff City on Saturday, and um, we're going to be going down there, getting down there relatively late because to be quite honest with you, it's not it's not the best away game in the world because the stadium is absolutely and totally 
got no atmosphere whatsoever. But hey, we're still going down there and we're going to have a little bit of a little bit of a laugh. But Cardiff City, like I said to you, just thinking about it, and I was chatting to somebody the other day and was saying that it's really interesting, Cardiff, because it was one of those places you think, oh my God, Cardiff, what a nightmare to go down to, because like you know, you used to go down there and literally you'd stand on the terrace there and you think that the people from Cardiff are really, really, really rich because by the end of the game, there'd be probably about £1,000 worth of coins, right, that they'd thrown over. One pound coin. It wasn't like ten pences or five pences. It was always pound coins. They used to throw over the top of that stand and they're proper vicious. used to come over the top there and there was always a little, not a little bit, a lot of tension when you went to Cardiff. So it's one of those grounds you think, oh my God, it was a nightmare to go to. Oh my God, it was a nightmare to go to. And now you've got the situation where it's the complete opposite. Well, you go there where it's 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 it's, it's, it's just there's no atmosphere. There's there's not very many fans. There's not really many vibe, and there's people sort of going, "God, I wish it was like the old Cardiff." Like you know what I'm saying, it's, it's, really, it's always that one of those careful what you wish for situations, really, isn't it? It's like it's really weird. But um, I mean, maybe you didn't really want to go back to the day of the old Indian Arms pub and you know all sorts of you know when you walk out there, there's about sort of 800 of them in the park across the road from you. However, you know, when you go to a football match, you just want a little bit of a vibe sometimes. And, and Cardiff is, 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 is seriously lacking, isn't it? I mean, obviously, um, the, the, their owner took over and he got them up to the Premier League. But there was, a real, there was a real price they paid for that. And, I mean, I've been thinking about this recently quite a lot. You've probably seen that I've been sort of kind of tweeting out things about Billericay. You laugh about Billericay, Ricky. But Bill and Ricky have just been taken over by a very rich owner who's gone out there and he's gone, oh yeah, and he's and he's signed um, Kuchensky, isn't it? And he's also signed another player as well. I can't remember who it is. He signed a couple of players who are probably on about, you know, eight grand a week or six grand a week, something like that, in the Ryman League Premier League. Right? It's ridiculous. And he's now set the manager and he's become the sort of caretaker manager for now as well, the owner. And for me, I'm sort of thinking that. This can only go horribly, horribly wrong. But the, what I'm trying, the reason why I bring this up is just like with Cardiff, when their owner came in, you know, you're going to turn around and there's Hara. That's right, Jamie O'Hara as well signed for Billericay as well. So he's on there. He's got to be on sort of like, you know, apparently their wage bill is going to be 20 grand a week or something ridiculous in the, in the Ryman Prem. I mean, that's, 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 that's just ridiculous money. But the reason why I mention that is that Cardiff, you get an owner coming in, and he says, I'm going to get you to the Premier League. And everyone goes, that's fine. Then he goes, I'm going to change your shirts from blue to red and I'm going to do all these things. He kills the vibe of the club. And now you go back there. Yes, they got to the Premier League, but the club is almost like it's got to rebuild itself. And, and, and how do football clubs protect themselves from this scenario? Because you, you never know when somebody's going to come in. Somebody comes in and says, I'm going to do good for your club. That Billericay guy could come in there and he could be the best owner in the world. Or you never know, in two years' time, he could rinse that club dry, leave them, and they could fold. I'll tell you, I'll answer your question there. How, how a club guarantees to know what its fans want is by knowing what it fa- its fans want. Um, the, 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 he started making decisions that were based on his own opinion and the cl- and the fan base weren't engaged in it and they were they were told what they what they should have not what they actually wanted and it's bitten him, it's bitten him in the arse and he's destroyed he's destroyed a, a, a big part of the soul of that football club and he's only got himself to blame Bill it's true because I think that the way football's changed over the years it's and it has caught itself between being a business and a sport and the fans are almost getting caught in the middle um, there are a lot of decisions made at Cardiff for commercial reasons not necessarily footballing reasons 
that being the problem. Um, and as as you guys have said, people have been, you know, they have paid the price for it. I went there last season. I've been to Millennium Park before, and it's just two different worlds. People walking around, there's like a multiplex and a JD Sports and all these coffee shops and that. Last time, um, last time I left Millennium um, Park, I barely got out alive. You know, just completely different. And yes, some might say it makes it better, but it's just so sanitized. It's not a nice. It's not a nice experience. Okay, I mean, but I mean, that's that scenario. I mean, you've got a separate scenario. I mean, we look, we look at like Leighton Orient now. We've got a scenario where there's a team who technically probably should have been with us in the championship now, um, but Leighton Orient are not in the championship because they they didn't get the playoffs, and then before that they just went spiralling down. They got a new owner, but the new owner, to be fair, said to him, "I'm going to invest lots of money. I'm going to do this, that, and the other." The fans have gone. This is brilliant. We've got this guy who's going to come in. How do you? You know, what do you do? How do you kind of, sort of, kind of like, you know, because at the, at the, what do you do? You turn around and say, sorry, we don't want you. We don't want you, mate. Sorry, we're not going to have you. We'd rather just be where we are. It's, it is actually really difficult, isn't it? And, um, I mean, somebody's mentioned the fact that maybe you've got fans on the board. If you've got fans on the board who actually have got a massive say, you can actually kind of do that business. Gemma? I mean, for me, this sort of thing is a danger any time you have effectively a single owner of our club of a club i mean there's a danger in having a single owner of our club now i mean we you know i i like i like matt i like what he's doing but you know we had trust in him because we knew he supported the club but that doesn't necessarily even then mean that what he thinks is the best thing for brentford is what the majority of the fans think is best for brentford as it turns out at the moment it is you know, any time any single organisation or single entity or single person takes over a football club, which is essentially a community entity or should be, you know, there is always that danger because you don't know. I mean, all right, sometimes you know, but most of the time you don't know. And without things like having fans on the board, having an element of fan ownership, and having, you know potential for fan vetoes on sort of certain organize you know certain sales of grounds and things like that or having you know some well i would say some sort of robust uh, organization in the fa to stop things being done that are completely against the heritage of a club but that might be wishful thinking without those things you you don't know and you can't know and things can change I can kind of understand how at a football club you can't always make decisions based on committees. You, you, some, sometimes, sometimes you do need to have the owner of a person that's stumping up multi-millions of pounds and you know he needs to have the ability to kind of do what he's you know it, these people have been successful in life m mostly by making good decisions and you've got you've got to trust them on that I, I hear what you're saying Bill about you know people coming making big promises and you know you, you you can't you can't always blame them if it goes wrong but the, you know the general general rule of thumb I would say when dealing with football fans or, or making decisions about football fans with things like kit and colour of kit and badges and names and things like that don't tell fans what you think they should have ask them what they want and then give it to them because then you don't then, then you're alright you're normally safe but you know, you can't put a committee to which striker you buy or, or you know, which, which supplier of pitch and things like that. Sometimes you've got to leave that to the experts. But, you know, I, I, think, I think there's some naive ownership. No, it's true. That's a, and as I said about 
the difference between and the problem when you try to run a football club as a business. You're getting all that situation with changing the shirts. Can you imagine going into Tesco's and Tesco's to trying to tell you what kind of bread you had to buy? You know, you just go to Asda, wouldn't you? I just, I, I'm gonna, I, str- I struggle to disagree with you less on this particular thing, though, because you know the, the, the argument we've heard, we've heard so many times about. You know, these people have made money in their lives, so they must know. Well, I'm sure they know about selling tuna or they know about, you know, selling oil or or running countries or whatever it is that, you know, all of them do. But most of them, if not all of them, haven't made their money by running a football club because generally no one does. You know, the idea that we say, oh, well, they should just ask the fans. You know, these people generally... They, they get where they get by making their own decisions and not necessarily asking a whole load of people for their opinion. And they don't want to be told what to do. And they think, you know, as people often say, they think, well, I've, I've come this far. I don't need anyone's help. And I don't need anyone's opinion. So unless we put things in place that mean they have to ask an opinion, then uh, why would they? At the end of the day, for me football clubs belong to the people they are something you know we don't we don't we don't want a dictator in our government and we don't want dictators in our football club they have to be community owned even if it's to the tiniest tiniest degree because otherwise you know we'll lose them they'll 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 kill the the club they'll kill the community that's built around the club and we'll lose something amazing that is almost unique about this country in the way it works and we won't get it back once it's gone and it's interesting, and again, just coming back to that quickly, we're going to come back to the Cardiff game in a minute, because obviously the reason we've come from that is how Cardiff have changed their vibe over a, just over a relatively few amount of years because of the owner that's come in and, and the certain things that he's done. Um, I'd, I mean, I'd have viewed like what you said and what Lady said about um, um, Charlton, which I said that Duchelet, I didn't feel that he was a bad person at all, but I feel that he was a person that had coming in and he was making some, you know, maybe some bad decisions, but he had, he had the right ideas in mind. And then I, only about a week and a week and a bit ago, I actually met somebody who worked very closely with Duchelet, who was very respectful of him. He said that he thought he was the best business person that he'd ever seen. He was fantastic. He said, however, and he worked with him in the football world, he goes, on the football side of things, he has got no idea. And again, I'll say this allegedly, just in case someone is listening to that, but this is the person that worked very close with him. And he said, and I said, but surely? And he said, no, 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 honestly. And he told me of a few of the things that he did. And he said, unfortunately, he's moved into football because he believes, you know, he's worked in business, so he's going to just transfer all these skills in and he's doing certain things, but also he's not learning from the people around him, not employing the right people around him. So he's got all people around him who are yes, 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 yes people. So he's making these mistakes again and again and again and again. And to me, that becomes a real problem for Charlton. And whether or not there's a due diligence process where they go out there and they vet these owners and they try and find out whether or not they actually give the owners an interview to find out actually what their process is beforehand and what their strategy. I don't know what it may be, but it seems that Charlton walked into a situation with somebody who, very obviously, even though he owns a load of football clubs in different countries, probably from this person who works very, very closely with him, and said to him, unfortunately, he doesn't know what he'll do. So coming back to Cardiff, Cardiff, like I said to you, probably is going to be a pretty sterile atmosphere on Saturday, even though they're doing fairly well. It should be a good game between us two, because we're still fighting out to get ourselves top ten spot. Um, score predictions, Laney? Uh, I think we're going to go there and win. Uh, we owe them for last year. Well, I'm still a bit wounded from being 2-0 down uh, at, uh, there and them coming back. 
uh, sorry, us coming back and then they still winning it in the last minute. It was a Kenwin Jones goal, I think it was. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think the run of form we're on is going to continue. I saw, I see no reason to suggest that the wheels are going to come off on Saturday, so I'm going to go 3-1 Brentford. Uh, well, I don't know what you lot are doing going in and out. I'm going for the full three day, so I'm going to say 3-0 B is no danger. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm putting my realist hat on and I think it's going to be a 2-1 win to the Brentford. For me, as well, never go against the grain, hardly ever. And for me, Cardiff, see you later. I know you might have had your bad vibes back in the day, but now you're all mellow vibes for Brentford coming down there. 2-0, easy pickings. This is beside besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're here at West London, the Salutation Pub, taking really good care of us. And we'll be off to Cardiff on Saturday. We've been in the Lansdowne pub, I think we're going to be, which is 10 minutes walk from the ground. It's all right. It's a pretty decent pub, you know. They do nice pizzas there, apparently. So, uh, so it should be good. So we'll be getting down there probably as late as possible. Um, and then we'll be watching the game and then going back home. Um, so, which is all good as well. But prior to West London podcast, get your tickets for the socials. It's going to be a right good laugh, right good drink up. Um, we've got, I don't know, we've got another podcast next week, which Laney will probably organise it because it's, a, it's my sort of half term. So I might be off doing things and doing activity. So Laney will tell you where it'll be next week. I'm sure we'll be very excited. Easy yeah, easy life. I'm going to be on another easy life. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to get on the deck chair again, and I? You know, getting, getting the suntan lotion on and stuff like that. You know, me and Andy Peters together, innit? Andy Peters. And Andy, I might go on holiday with Andy Peters even. Yeah, do that. <laughs> anyway, besides beside Pride of West London podcast, let me say, we're looking forward to Saturday and the uh, Mighty Bees are going to be playing um, God Ever, as we say. As we say, come on, you bees! Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. <laughs> Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.